you should give the car to Jack. <laughs> Mom, who's dying, you or me? <laughs> cigarette, try the taste of Kent. Another public service announcement from Real Cream. Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you tuned into the ravings of a clown on Chester Radio. <laughs> Don't argue with the ball. Roger, we'll go. It's as good as done. The complete solution for your home PC. Hey, 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 yay, yay, ladies, 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 Kind of like a Han Solo. You can call my program. Snoop and Sammy Slinky. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. It's a jester on a hot tin roof. Hey, good evening. The roof is on fire. We don't need no water. Let the motherfucker burn. Motherfucker. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, 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 ladies. Uh, welcome to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio. Why, it's your old pal, the Jester, coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. Light him up. 
smoke them if you got them. Such a show we have for you, as Grandma Chester would say. A playlist like none other, including the uh, Al Stewart and Harry Nelson and Warren Zevon and the Buggles and Elvis Costello and so much more. Plus, uh, 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 we're playing your request this evening. Give us a call, 646-502-8600, and uh, you can get live on the air with your old pal Jester. Tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what's you, what, what you're thinking, what you're feeling tonight. I know we have listeners this evening from all over the world. So um, you can Skype in. Uh, our Skype name is Jester Radio. You can uh, messenger, AOL Instant Messenger us at uh, Jester Radio 1. Our ICQ number is 1928-0607. Email us at thejester at jesterradio.com. So many other ways to get through. Stop by the JesterRadio.com website and f- learn what they are. Well, most importantly is our phone number. Give us a call, 646-502-8600, 646-502-8600, and get live on the air uh, with your old pal, the Jester, and tell us what's on your mind. Um, also going to take a look at what's going on in that sick fucking world of mine. Not such... Terrible news. Oh, and by the way, I got a new phone, um, a new cell phone. Man, there's quite a lot of shit happening in the cell phone world. And this one that I got, it's a Motorola QHN Global. And it's a global phone. You can take it with you anywhere in the world. And more importantly, it's a pocket PC phone. Have you seen these things? It's, it runs Windows. My phone runs Windows. You know, it's, whenever I see something like this, I mean, I mean when, I, when I tell you the shit that it does, it syncs up with your Outlook. You know, you have all your contacts, your, your appointments. Um, you know, if you ever see a phone number embedded in a web page, it's got a web browser built in. It's got, it's got uh, broadband over cellular service. So wherever you are, you still have broadband service, and you could surf the web. And if you see something with a phone number, you can click on it and call it with the phone. Because after all, it's a phone too. And whenever I see something like this, there's so much going on in here. Obviously, many thousands of times more over than like you know even the ENIAC, which was you know what 65, 75 years ago, just a short time ago was the very first computer, and it filled up a room full of shit, and it cost millions of dollars, and it took lots of very smart people with white coats uh, to operate them. And now this is literally in the palm of my hand. It's got a full QWERTY keyboard and a full you know, display. And um, I always think to myself, if, if, I, if I ever got to meet um, Benjamin Franklin, he's always been like my greatest idol of all history and if i ever got to meet benjamin franklin and if he ever said to me anything ever work out with that electricity thing i was toying around with that once back in the day anything ever pan out with that are they doing anything with electricity or is that just like a fad i'd love to just whip out one of these things and say well check this shit out you know they say that the um, average person now has access to the same level of information that 20 years ago, you had to be like on the caliber of like senator to have access to. 
you know, this kind of where you can just snap your fingers and have somebody go fetch you information. They would do research, call up Library of Congress. Hi, I'm calling for Senator Schmigegi. Uh He wants to know, you know, how tall is the flagpole in Arlington Cemetery? But now you and I have access to that kind of thing. It doesn't cost millions of dollars. We don't need to know anybody. We just get on the fucking Internet and start typing in, how tall is flagpole in Arlington Cemetery? And let me tell you, if the information is conceivable, it's there. It's on the Internet. And I'll tell you something else. If it's ever there, ever, then it's there forever. Can't ever erase information. The, the the information on the internet is duplicated in so many places. It's cached in people's computers, and even Google probably has a cache of your website. They have billions of websites cached. They store a copy. So, a million years from now, when the aliens find us frozen under the sea, they'll see every single bite that was ever. Uh, published on the web will still be there. How's that for fucking amazing? Time now to turn our attention to the headlines from just to read to your studios in a secret location outside your universe. It's time for the just to read news. All right. Uh, President Pervez Musharraf appealed for national unity as unofficial returns showed the opposition taking commanding leads early today in parliamentary elections aimed at bolstering democracy and calming uh, political strife. Lots of luck with that. Fear and apathy kept millions of voters at home during today's vote, but while at least 24 people were killed in election-related violence... Man, you know, sometimes you just got to remind yourself... That, you know, uh, America may suck. Uh, it may be the worst form of government anywhere in the world, but that's except for every other one. Because it really fucking sucks everywhere else. Talk about sucks. Try, you know, running an election in Islamabad. Fear and apathy kept millions of voters at home during today's vote. At least 24 people were killed. The country was spared the type of Islamic militant attacks that scarred the campaign, most notably the assassination of opposition, uh, opposition leader uh, Benazir Bhutto. Uh, the campaign, uh, they killed one of the fucking candidates. That's the kind of violence we're talking about. State-run TV early today gave the two main opposition parties strong leads and early unofficial tallies a trend conceded by the president's Pakistan Muslim League Q party. Final official results were not expected before uh, day after tomorrow, Wednesday. They'll clock in finally. As far as we're concerned, we'll be uh, willing to sit um, on opposition benches if final results prove that we have lost. This is the trend, party spokesman Tariq Azim said. If the vote uh, pattern uh, continues, it will ease concerns that lack of a clear winner could result in a government too fragmented to rally the nation against Islamic extremists. These guys, man, they can't even get their own shit together enough to keep the wolf away from the door. They can't even come together. You know, you would think they would say, you know, look, what's your name? Mohammed, come over here. I hate you, but I hate the terrorists worse. Let's you and me get along until... Listen, come over here. What's his name? Mohammed? Come... You can't go wrong with calling somebody Mohammed over there. It's like Mac. Hey, Mohammed, come here. 
Yeah, my name's Stanley. Yeah, whatever. Muhammad. Though balloting proceeded without major attacks, Budo's party claimed that 15 of its members has been killed. Hundreds injured in scattered violence deliberately engineered to deter voters. Officially, um, there's been 24 deaths confirmed in election-related violence in the past 24 hours, mostly in the country's biggest province of Punjab, the key electoral battleground. Musharraf was not on the ballot, but the election was widely seen as a referendum on his eight-year rule, including the alliance with the United States and the war against uh, terrorist groups that many Pakistanis uh, oppose. Pakistan, folks, just marginally above Afghanistan and Iraq in terms of the kind of folks that are running around in there, how much they hate you uh, and how much they want to cut off people's hands when they steal. Uh, but the one difference is, is that it had this puppet, you know, like guy, this Pervez Musharraf, who was um, just absolutely um, over, you know, w w willing to, to lick uh, Bush's balls on a daily basis, which is good for America. But uh, the people of Pakistan didn't want him. They want their own, you know, wackos in office so they can, uh, you know, ramp up that fucking hate and rhetoric to, uh, you know, s the, the, the very high levels. This guy, although he was corrupt, obviously, and he was a Muslim, and he was, you know, uh, uh, was a terrorist at heart, as far as I'm concerned, you know, silently, you know, condoning who knows who was, you know, hiding out in the rugged mountains in the, in the north of uh, Pakistan, in the Pakistani-Afghan border. All that aside, um, he was a calm, rational voice. Um, in the Middle East, and that's going to go away. Another one of those lost, because we just can't inject our uh, morality into uh, another culture. They have to come to it on their own. And that's just the way it is. Senator Barack Obama, meanwhile, today said that he doesn't think it's a big deal that he borrowed lines from his friend, Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick, although he probably should have given him credit Patrick said uh, during his gubernatorial campaign a year and a half ago that words matter like I have a dream and all men are created equal. Obama used the same exact lines on Saturday night in Wisconsin. Obama said that Patrick suggested he use the lines to respond to Hillary Clinton's suggestion that Obama is more of a talker than a doer. So he had a, he had a talk with, um, apparently, or he claims, now that uh, he had a talk with Governor Patrick, Governor Patrick suggested, hey, why don't you copy the lines that I used in my speech last year? Yeah, right. Hey, you're on the air with uh, Jester Radio. Who's calling? Hello, you're on the air. Uh, hmm, I guess we lost him. Uh, so if you're if uh, if you're calling in, uh, then please call back. So, yeah, supposedly Obama had a talk with his friend, the uh, uh, governor of uh, Massachusetts, and he said, yeah, use my exact same lines for my speech and don't give me credit. Sure he did. Uh, he's just sticking up for him now. Hey, you're on the air with the jester. Hey, am I on the air? Hey, you're on the air. Caller number three. Hey, it's Murray calling. Hey, Murray. Que pasa? Hey, I got a bone to pick with you. Go ahead, pick it. Nah, just kidding. I want to play Stump the, the Jester. All right, what do you got? Let's have it. 
And I don't want to embarrass you at all. I hear you. So, well, I don't want to be embarrassed. Just say so. But okay. It has to do with what you're talking about. All right, let's have it. We didn't start the fire by Billy Joel. Oh yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I don't you do don't Billy do Joel. Yeah. All right. Well, I got another one. Never really bothered with Billy Joel. It'll uh, lead to a joke if you can give me a few verses of this one. Oh really? Okay. Uh, oh, traveling man by uh, Ricky Nelson. I'm a traveling man, made a lot of stops in all the world. Uh, in every port, I owe my heart to at least one lovely girl. I have, a, I have a pretty senorita waiting for me down in old Mexico. If you're ever in Alaska, stop and see my cute little Eskimo. Oh, my sweet Fraulein down in Burlingtown makes my heart start to yearn. And my China doll down in old Hong Kong waits for my return. Pretty Polynesian baby over the seas. I remember the night when we walked in the sands of a Waikiki and we held each other tight. Yes, I'm a traveling man. All right, you want to hear the joke? Go ahead, whip it on me. You ever notice how he started humming when he got to the African countries? I see. <laughs> that's a Paul Muni joke. I see. Well, that's very funny. Thank you. That's very good, yeah. Um, well, uh, keep going. You calling. know what? You were dead on, spot on perfect. I was reading the lyrics along with you. Just now? Yeah. That's pretty scary, isn't it? Very fucking scary. Yeah, yeah, you have no idea what's going on inside that cranium <laughs> up there. It's a yeah. fright, my friend. Well, how about that uh, REM song that has all those fast lyrics? Um, I, what, what song is that? I don't know. It's something to do with the end of the world. Oh, uh, it's the end of the world as we know it. Uh, yeah, you know, for for me, somehow it's got to do with. Um, you know the 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 years that I was listening to the radio. You know I consider yeah. everything after the White Album basically to be new. Yeah. How about uh, wasn't there a song that named like a million bands or something? There have been songs that refer to lots of other songs. Um, there's that great intro and outro um, bit. If that's what you're talking about, by the Bonzo Dog no, Band. No, 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 no. It, they got Hitler there playing the uh, vibes. Yeah, that's the, I want. I'm, I'm going to think up a good uh, like fast lyric. There's song. also Spider Turner who does um, a version of "Stand by Me" as sung by like ten different other soul artists, yeah. like as Sam Cooke and as yeah, James great. Brown. He's great. That one, uh, that's not. Uh, that's not the one you're thinking of. Well, I'm curious to know what you're thinking of. Well, I'm thinking of any song that has like a million lyrics per verse. Oh, uh, um, uh, Subterranean Homesick Blues is a great example. That's got a lot of lyrics. All right, about, you work uh, on about, uh, about, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's All Right, Mom Only Bleeding. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good one. Darkness of the Breaking Noon, Shadows Even, The Silver Spoon, The Handmade Blade, The Child's Balloon, Eclipses Both, The Sun and Moon, To Understand, You Know Too Soon, There Is No Sense in Trying. And uh, that was quoted by Jimmy Carter, that even the President of the United States sometimes must have to stand naked. It was unfortunately misquoted, but he was close enough. Hey, let me change topics. Okay. I got an idea, okay? You're a songwriter, right? I was once. Yeah, but you will be again, because here's the idea. Go ahead. Everyone is walking around now with headphones on. Um, I'm wearing those them right little, now. Those little earbuds, right? You walk down Manhattan, half the people are tuned in. Oh, at least half the people. Right. So, 
you know how Bing Crosby changed music? He bought an orange juice company, didn't he? No, he changed music by using the microphone. He didn't have to belt it out like everyone else before him. Oh, he was he the original the, crooner. He was the original crooner, and it sounded very uh, intimate to people. Now imagine a singer inside a person's head and how they can whisper and just speak right to that person's brain. Wow. I don't know whisper, but just like the whole idea of like here you are sitting in the subway listening to my voice and then you like dig right into their psyche. Wow, that's um, that's pretty scary. What would you say your name was, Bertram? No, it's uh, Murray. Yeah, that's some scary shit. There is, however... Um, a song um, by Jackson Brown called Say It Isn't True, where he, at one point, it, it, he's whispering. You really do have to be wearing headphones to get it, you know? Yeah, what does he whisper? Say It Isn't True. No, what is the actual, that's all he's whispering? Oh, no, the, uh, he's saying in the background, there always has been and there always will be war. And apart from all the finer things that men have struggled for, there always has been, and there always will be war. Yeah. It's sort of like this, you know, like this whispering voice and the, this nagging reminder in the back of your head, yeah. you know. But this this has to be something more like uh, something more insidious. Talking to you, yeah. No, just like some something deep and dark and personal and intimate. Right. So work on it. Uh, I'm going to get audience. right to it. I'm not even going to wait for the end of the show. Thanks right. for calling in, Mari. Hey, uh, th th uh, give us a call at 646-502-8600. Uh, Maybe you have something interesting to talk about. Um, by the way, this evening at 11.11, I want everybody, whatever you're doing, to drop everything and just start dancing. Dancing on the ones, it's what I'm doing um, twice a day, and it's what everybody around the globe needs to be doing. It's a great way. You can't dance and stay uptight. Who said that? Um... It's supernatural delight. Uh, dancing in the moonlight. Isn't that what that's from? So at 11.11, we're going to play that uh, Mean Gene song. Air Force officials are warning that uh, unless their budget is increased uh, dramatically and soon, the military's high-flying branch won't uh, dominate the skies as it has for decades. After more than six uh, um, uh, years of war in Afghanistan and Iraq, the Iraq's the uh, Air Force's aging jet fighters, bombers, cargo aircraft, and gunships are at the breaking point, they say, and expensive, ultra-modern replacements are needed fast. We were speaking yesterday about how um, an internal government study showed that because the government delayed um, these certain kinds of armored vehicles, hundreds of Americans died, or rather dozens of Americans died, hundreds were injured. Um, and, you know, today we, we see this report that $137 billion uh, worth of repairs need to be done to, you know, get the Air Force back in shape. This administration, that you know, for all their talk about pa patriotism and, uh, and readiness, you know, again, you really have to, um, you know, actions speak louder than words. And what, what somebody says um, is great for the first time they say it, but when they keep saying it, and um, each time you find out they, they, they lied, you, they begin to lose credibility. And over the years, this administration has zero credibility. I'm willing to listen to anybody, um, promise anything. 
And when he said, you know, when he stood up there, you know, seven years ago and said, we're going to smoke him out where he in his cave, where he lives. We're going to get this cocksucker and we're going to punish him for what he did to America. You know, I was just as fucking, um, you know, enthusiastic as the next guy about it. But over the years, you know, this guy says, okay, we're going to invade Iraq. And we were like, well, Iraq, hmm, okay, if you say so, if you got proof that they're in bed, that they, you know, we're all, you know, hey, don't doubt it now that you mention it. We were willing to, you know, go along all these years. And then we find out little by little that not a fucking word of it was true. And they knew it. It was, it was malicious. It wasn't, um, it wasn't innocent. It wasn't naive. It was malicious. They lied purposefully to us to pursue their own personal agenda. That was the opposite of our agenda. And God knows what they tell themselves when they go to sleep at night. History will vindicate us. Uh, you know, this is a, a manifest destiny to uh, take over the world and invade these, you know, foreign countries and take their power and their, and their wealth. And, uh, you know, who knows? Um, how they rationalize it, but not you know they they they're not functioning on the same kind of terms that you and I are, and they squander um, you know the, the America's real resources like its defenses. What we've done is put the requirement on the table that says if we're going to do the missions you guys uh, going to ask us to do, it'll require this kind of investment, according to Major General Paul Selva. The Air Force's director of strategic planning in an interview with Jester Radio. Failing that, uh, we take uh, what is already a geriatric Air Force, he said, and we drive it for another 20 years into an area of total uncertainty. An extra $20 billion each year over the next five, beginning with an Air Force budget of about $137 billion in 2009, instead of the $117 billion proposed by the Bush administration, would solve the problem, according to Selva and other senior Air Force officials, yet the prospects for huge infusions of cash seem dim. Congress is expected to boost the 2009 budget, but not on the level urged by the Air Force. In the years that follow, a possible recession, a rising federal deficit, and a distaste for higher taxes all pretend a decline in defense spending, regardless of which party wins the White House in November. The Air Force is going to be confronting a major procurement crisis because it can't buy all the things that it absolutely needs, says Dov Zakim, a former Pentagon controller. It's going to force us to think and rethink yet again, what is the strategy we want? What can we give up? And you know what's going to be given up. Hey, you're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio this Monday, February the 18th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Why not stop by the Jester Radio chat room and throw your two drachmas into the thick of the fray? Hello, honey. It's me. What did you think when you heard me back on the radio? And what did the kids say when they knew it was their long-lost daddy-o? It's Harry Chapin on JR. Please don't fuck with that dial. What did you think when you heard me back on the radio? What did the kids say when they knew it was their long-lost daddy-o? Remember how we listened to the radio 
And I said, that's the place to be And how I got the job is an FM job The day you married me It was two kids and I was into AM rock But I just had to run around It's been eight years since I left you, babe Let me tell you about what's gone down I am the morning DJ at And I did on my last big gig It made my voice go low They said that they liked the young sound When they let me go So I drifted on down to Tulsa, Oklahoma To do me a late night talk show Now I've worked my way down home again Near the boys at Idaho That's how this business Good morning, voice, who's heard but never seen. Feeling all of 45, going on 15. I'm making extra money doing high school. Stock hops, I'm the big time guest MC. You should hear me talking to the little children and listen what they say to me. But you can travel long 10,000 miles And still stay where you are Thinking that I should stop this jockeying And start that record store Maybe I could settle down If you take me back once more Okay, honey, I see Guess he's better than me Sure, old girl, I understand You don't have to worry, I'm such a happy man
Drinking that I did on my last big gig, it made my voice go low. And they said that they liked the young sound when they let me go, so I drifted on down to Tulsa, Oklahoma to do me a late night talk show where I worked my way back home again here to Boise, Idaho. And that's how this business goes. The morning DJ of WOLD, Harry Chapin, the late great Harry. Keep the change, Chapin, on Just Radio. You're tuned into the Ravings of the Clown this Monday, February the 18th. The year of our Lord, 2008, hanging in the Just Radio chat room with uh, S. Poe, Texas Frank, Louis Lua. Yeah, that's right, Texas Frank. Can you believe good old Texas Frank is back on the radio? Do we have, uh, Bob, do we have a thing of Texas Frank? Didn't we? Didn't he uh, once do a? Um, you think so? Let's hear. Hey, Texas Frank here. Why not stop by the Jester Radio chat room and throw your two cents into the thick of the fray, unless you don't have the cojones. Hey, Texas hey, Frank here. What the fuck? Stop by the Jester Radio chat unless you don't want have the who? Into the thick of the fray, unless you don't have the cojones. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. It sounds like some kind of challenge to me, hmm? Well, we're glad to have you back, Frankie. Missed you. Two senators are urging the Pentagon to investigate a Marine Corps report that bureaucrats refused an urgent request from battlefield commanders in 2004 for blast-resistant vehicles. We've been talking about this story the past couple of days. Um, apparently, the government uh, did a... Uh, um, a study, uh, and yesterday the results came out basically saying that um, the Army had requested these vehicles over two and a half years ago, these blast-resistant vehicles, and they were just blown off. This two-faced, lying fucking government that says that they, you know, uh, love the... the, uh, the um, uh, troops so much and everything is all about the troops and don't say anything unpatriotical and it'll, it'll hurt the morale of the troops as if as if like we're all at serving the troops instead of the other way around the troops serve at the pleasure of the president if the president says get the fuck out is he worried that he's going to hurt their feelings no i doubt it but we should all be worried about hurting their feelings by saying a bad word about the government and saying a bad word about why they're over there and make them feel unappreciated. And meanwhile, the fucking lying hypocritical sacks of shit, they were ignoring this desperate request for over two and a half years. And as a result, over 20 people, 20 American children died. That's how much... This fucking administration gives a fuck about those troops. We need an official investigation to figure out why this happened and to make sure it never happens again, said Senator Joseph Biden, the Democrat uh, from Delaware. Biden, chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, has been a longtime advocate of building and deploying more of the vehicles called the MRAPs. 
Senator Kit Bond said the government shouldn't have to explain to the families of American troops that a cost-effective solution capable of saving lives was not deployed because of bureaucratic delays and insufficient funds. Jester Radio first reported on Friday that hundreds of U.S. Marines have been killed or injured by roadside bombs in Iraq because Marine Corps officials refused the request of the commanders, both senators, issued their statements yesterday. This is a stark warning that the military brass back home is not acting on needs of our warfighters in the front lines, Biden said. We must be as fast and flexible as the enemy. We need an official investigation to figure out why this happened and to make sure it never happens again. Bond said, with our troops serving on the front lines in the war on terror, the gross mismanagement of our military's acquisition process is inexcusable. The military needs to take a hard look at the report that details the bureaucratic delays of life-saving equipment to our troops in the field. Of course, everybody's fucking acting so horrified and blustery, but who knows how many of these senators are complicit. Who knows how many of them saw these requests and, you know, blew them off. You know, do I seem cynical? You know, I honestly, I feel like I'm just not cynical enough. I feel like we let these motherfuckers get away with everything. And the you know, they just they just take us for a bunch of saps. Uh disagree? Give us a call. Six four six five oh two eighty six hundred. Six four six five oh two eighty six hundred. Say what's on your mind. Don't be a puss. Boozy boozy. Amtrak will start randomly screening passengers' carry-on bags this week in a new security push that includes offices with uh, automatic weapons and bomb-sniffing dogs, patrolling platforms and trains. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but has there not been a terrorist attack in the past six years? Does it seem that either that was the one where they blew their load or not? But that there hasn't really been a rash. I don't know why. Why are they ramping up security? Uh, you know, to, to open up somebody's baggage is an intrusion. You know, we forgot. We've lived so long in this fucking police state where uh, the police can demand to see our papers and look inside our luggage any fucking time they want. Don't forget, we're not crossing over the border from, you know, outside the country to the United States. This is going from, you know... <laughs> from Lompoc to uh, uh, Chicago. Is there a train, a plane that goes? I'm sure there's a train that does. Uh, This is not crossing over international borders, and they're looking in your luggage, and we just, like, fucking say, oh, yeah, no problem. That's an invasion of your privacy. And we've just allowed these, like, you know, liberties to get whittled away. And now we're getting another one whittled away. Now they're going to open our luggage. At least the train was one place you can go to take your drugs, I mean bombs, and not have it opened up and inspected. Not have some fucking, you know, weird-ass fucking, you know, God knows what infested, you know, thing rummaging through your fucking underwear Holy crap, it makes my skin crawl, just to think about it. The initiative to be announced by the railroad uh, tomorrow is a significant shift for Amtrak. Unlike the airlines, it has had relatively little visible increase in security since the 2001 terrorist attacks 
a distinction that has enabled it to attract passengers eager to avoid the airport hassles. Amtrak officials insist their new procedures won't hold up the flow of passengers. On-time performance is a key element of Amtrak performance uh, of Amtrak service. We're fully mindful of that. This is not about train delays. Bill Rooney, the railroad's vice president for security strategy and special operations, told Jester Radio, imagine such an office in a company. Nor, uh, nor will the moves require passengers to arrive at stations far in advance, officials said. Passengers who are selected randomly for the screening will be delayed no more than a couple of minutes, according to uh, Amtrak chief executive Alex Kumon. So just hide it really well is what they're saying. We're just going to look cursorily through your shit. So, you know, just, you know, do like everybody else does and sink that quarter ounce of herb to the bottom of your shampoo bottle because we're just going to look really quick. We're very conscientious of the fact that you're in an environment where commuters have minutes to go from train to train, he said. Concern about Amtrak security has been mounting since the 2004 bombings of commuter trains in Madrid that killed 191 people. Trains have also been bombed in London, where 52 people were killed in a series of blasts in 2005, most of them on subway trains, and in Mumbai, India, where 200 people were killed in 2006 on commuter trains. Russia also has several bombings on subway, commuter, and long-distance trains. You know, it would seem to me um, that if there were thousands of terrorists all over the United States hiding, um, you know, that... Uh, There'd be a lot of terrorism going on, and we just haven't seen any in, you know, six years, seven years. So uh, I, I, I just don't understand what's behind this thinking, uh, hey, let's increase, um, you know, uh, security for this mode of operation that nobody is targeting and, um, you know, let's, um, you know, remind people what a scary world it is. Let's fill them with fear and pessimism and paranoia. Uh, you know, I just don't understand what's the, what's the point of all this. What is it these people are trying to accomplish? Is it really uh, they're looking for a more secure train? Because if they are, um, this is definitely not the way to do it because this random thing, you know, every terrorist will tell you it's silly. It doesn't work. If you put 20 terrorists on a train and they randomly choose one out of a thousand passengers, you know, 19.999 terrorists are going to get through. So it doesn't make the trains any safer. Is it meant to make the trains appear safer? Uh, safer to attract customers who see, oh, now they're inspecting people, uh, it's safer to come back. I find that hard to believe. I find it hard to believe that, they're th that, that their thinking is, let's attract more people by showing them how much more inconvenient it's going to be to travel with us. No, I got to tell you, if I was running that company, those would not be the reasons that I would do that. Reasons would have to be that somebody is really strong-arming us to do it, and they have their own hidden agenda, like to make people feel worried and scared, not so relaxed. They're thinking maybe these people who are taking the train, they're not, you know, uh, they're not getting on planes. Maybe they're taking the trains all the time, and they forget how scary a world it is. We need to make the train riders' worlds 
a little scarier too. That I could see. Anybody who's selected for screening and refuses will not be allowed to board and their ticket will be refunded. In addition to the screening, counterterrorism officers with bomb-sniffing dogs will patrol platforms and walk through trains, sometimes will ride the trains. Tim Connors, director of the Center for Police Terrorism in the Manhattan Institute, said rail systems require a completely different approach to security from the one used in aviation. Rail moves a lot more people than air does. It's designed to be an open system that can move a lot of people fast. One of Congress's biggest advocates for a passenger uh, rail, Senator Charles Schumer, said that the security initiative makes sense as long as it doesn't cause delays. Given that terrorists uh, have chosen passenger rail as one of their targets of choice, provided this doesn't slow things down and require additional longer lines and waits, this plan is certainly worth trying. Of course, you know, these politicians, they don't give a fuck about, uh, you know, what frustrations you and I deal with. Um, you know, they just live in a whole different world than we do. They don't wait on any kind of fucking lines. Uh, you know, they get everything. You know, they park everywhere for free. And uh, they, you know, get un- free unlimited, you know, health care for their families. They just live in a whole different world than you and you and I. Uh, it's uh, what's uh, it's uh, Monday, February the eighteenth. The six four six five zero two eighty six hundred gets you on the air. Am I just a miscreation? No one knows the truth. There are no secrets here. Dar Williams on JR, please don't fuck with that dial. It gets good right now.
Corporate parents, corporate towns, I know every TV set that has them lit. They preach that I should save the world, they pray that I won't do a better job of it. Pray that I won't do a better job. So tonight I turned your station on just so I'd be understood. Instead, another voice said I was just too late and just no good. Calling Olsen, calling Memphis... I am calling. Can you hear this? I was out here listening all the time. And I will write this down. And then I will not be alone again. I was out here listening all the time. Dar Williams on Jester Radio. Her tribute to Freeform Radio. It's coming back. Thanks to folks like you. And, uh, you know, us who get together every evening and do this. This being... Talk about life, the internet, and everything here on uh, The Ravings of a Clown on Jest Radio. And what do we get for it? What do we show for it? Well, a big fat hole in my shoe is what? Uh, plus a great deal of satisfaction deep down in my hisinta gizzard that uh, I know that I speak the truth. I was once like you, a running dog lackey of the bourgeoisie. And uh, one day I just realized that I could no longer contribute to uh, the state of uh, entropy that we're all facing. So I encourage you to do the same. Please stop by the Jester Radio website and enjoy all that there is. Coming up uh, this hour, more of what you tune into Jester Radio for, including Al Stewart, George Carlin, R.E.M., Elvis Costello. Uh, also, we're going to start Jester Radio Trivia again very soon with sponsorship from Amazon.com. We're going to get some gift certificates, and we're going to have a, a lot of fun with that. Tough, tough trivia. Hopefully, Sid Flat won't be uh, involved. Also, we have the back room is going to be reopening up um, just our way of saying fuck you to the man. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Jess, aren't you the man? Well, perhaps. Be that as it may. The uh, long-hidden items and documents related to the 1963 assassination of President John F. Kennedy were revealed for the first time today after spending nearly two decades inside a courthouse safe Dallas County District Attorney Craig Watkins presented the articles at a President's Day news conference while standing next to brown and white file boxes stacked in a pyramid. The items include a purported transcript between Kennedy assassin Lee Harvey Oswald and Oswald's killer, nightclub owner Jack Ruby, a leather gun holster that held the weapon Ruby used to shoot Oswald, brass knuckles that were found on Ruby when he was arrested, and a movie contract. I always wanted to own a set of brass knuckles, didn't you? I mean, not that I ever felt that I needed them in a fight, and honestly, I would never use them in a fight. You could kill somebody, I would assume, with the, the four, four pounds of fucking brass in your hand. I've done some serious damage with just my fucking knuckles to people 
And I've done some damage to my knuckles with people's heads. So you could, I would imagine, you can kill somebody with those fucking things. But still, I always wanted to know what that was like. Um, and by the way, what kind of people carried around brass knuckles? If you're going to carry around something lethal like that, why not just carry a gun? Who are you, who are you kidding? Um, a movie contract signed by then Dallas District Attorney Henry Wade. Watkins said investigators told him that the contents of the blue two-door safe um, shortly after he took office in 2007, and every DA up until the new administration decided that they wanted to keep it secret, he said. But he decided this information was too important to keep secret. One of the most intriguing items was the typed transcript of an alleged conversation between Oswald and Ruby. Get this, the transcript which hasn't been examined by experts and has already been called far-fetched by some, includes talk of killing the president at the behest of the mafia. Now, we don't know if this is an actual conversation or not, Watkins said, but what we do know is that as a result of this find, it will open up the debate as to whether there was a conspiracy to assassinate the president. Ruby killed Oswald on November 24, 1963, two days after Oswald was arrested in the assassination of President Kennedy. Ruby was convicted and sentenced to death. The following year, he won an appeal of his conviction but died of cancer before he was retried. The two-page transcript resembles one published by the Warren Commission, which investigated Kennedy's assassination and determined Oswald was the lone gunman. In the report, the FBI concluded that the transcript of an alleged conversation between Oswald and Ruby was fake and that had been recreated for authorities by a now-deceased Dallas attorney who claimed he recognized Oswald in a newspaper photo uh, as the man he saw talking to Ruby. So that he's, it was recreated from his memory. Transcript unveiled is dated October 4th, 63. Allegedly happened in a ca- at the Carousel Club, a Dallas nightclub. It begins with a discussion of how the boys in Chicago want to get rid of U.S. Attorney General uh, Robert Kennedy, JFK's brother. There is a way to get rid of him without killing him, Oswald says. How's that? Ruby responds, I could shoot his brother, Oswald says. After a discussion of logistics of shooting the president, Ruby says the money for the operations uh, coming from the mafia. Are you with the mafia, Oswald asks. You're asking too many questions, Ruby responds. Sounds a little hokey. Later, Ruby gives a lengthy warning that Oswald must not get caught or say anything, noting that if you do talk, then the boys will make me follow you wherever you go and kill you. Well, you know, we do know that Jack Ruby was was very closely relate, related to the mob. He w- ran a club that was a mob um, hangout, and he was beholden. And we do know that he died mysteriously shortly after he was convicted, and that his family was, you know, was kept in perpetuity um you know wealthy so somebody was taking care of them um so he was probably chosen as a fall guy to shut up lee harvey oswald so that he could never you know rat out this is a classic uh, mafia t- technique anybody who's seen you know goodfellas or godfather will tell you you shoot the guy and then you shoot the guy who shot the guy it's the oldest trick in the book. Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jest Radio. It's Monday, February the 18th, 2007. Turn up the radio, even if it's Mohammed's radio. Everybody's restless. 
and they got no place to go. Someone's always trying to tell them something they already know. So their anger and resentment flow. But don't it make you want to rock and roll all night long? Mohammed's radio. Problems too. He will surely take them out on you. In walks the village idiot, and his face is all aglow. He's been up all night listening to Mohammed's Trying to make ends meet Work all day Still can't pay The price of gasoline And me Alas, their lives Are incomplete Don't you make you Want to rock and roll All night long Mohammed's Just might just come. Just be right. I heard the general whispering to his aide de camp. Be watchful
There goes the last DJ Who plays what he wants to play And says what he wants to say Hey, hey, hey And there goes your freedom of choice There goes the last human voice And there goes the last DJ the last DJ who plays what he wants to play and says what he wants to say hey 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 and there goes your freedom of choice and there goes the last human voice and there goes the last DJ Sometimes it'll kind of come in And I'll bust a move And remember how it was back then And there goes the last DJ Who plays what he wants to play And says what he wants to say Hey, hey, hey And there goes your freedom of choice As we celebrate mediocrity, all the boys upstairs want to see how much you'll pay for what you used to get for free. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers on Chester Radio. I'm the last fucking DJ. Warren Zevon before that, Muhammad's Radio. You're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown. This Monday, February the 18th, the year of our Lord, 2008. It's 646-502-8600. Gets you on with the Jester Radio call-in dial-up show, Ravings of a Clown. Espo, Texas, Frank, Louie, hanging in the Jester Radio chat room. Why not stop by and say, ho? Hey there. Hi there, ho there. I'm as happy as can be. Uh, Texas Frank points out this um, article... Um, the headline is U.S. Court Shuts Down Leaked Dock Emporium. There's been this um, 
website uh, online called WikiLeaks, which is sort of a forum for people to come and spill the beans. And, uh, you know, once again, our government just takes this uh, heavy-handed. Um, there's always been the, you know, the idea of newsletter and posting anonymously, even to a bulletin board, um, has been uh, an important, you know, the, the, the idea of uh, expressing oneself anonymously um, has been a protected right in um, the United States since uh, the Constitution because um, sometimes one can express themselves more honestly if they're anonymous. And, you know, we've seen uh, in the classic tradition of people writing into newspapers anonymously and, you know, people, um, you know, writing into companies anonymously to report, you know, uh, uh, maybe things that they think that the management should know about. Or perhaps people um, going to the press anonymously and revealing um, some information that they know about uh, corrupt government or uh, the, uh, some mismanagement or illegal activities in a company. And uh, so the idea of expressing oneself anonymously has long been a supported uh, right, freedom, liberty that was um, uh, taken for granted here in the United States. And here's another one that we're losing. Uh, it was called WikiLeaks, the website that revealed countless government secrets, has been forced offline by a California judge, of all things. The site that allows whistleblowers to post documents anonymously has been sued by a Swiss banking group implicated in money laundering and documents obtained by WikiLeaks. The BBC reports, however, the main site was taken offline after the court ordered that Dynadot, which controls the site's domain name, should remove all traces of WikiLeaks from its servers. The court also ordered the, uh, that Dynadot should prevent the domain name from resolving to the WikiLeaks.org website or any other website or server other than a blank page park page until further order of the court. Uh, see, there's, it's nice to know the, the, the court's getting pretty technical savvy there. Um, so, the, so the court's demanding that the uh, registrar of the domain name not allow that uh, domain traffic be forwarded to that web page, but rather go to a blank park page uh, or just a page that's hosted by the registrar's hosting operation until further order. Other orders included that the domain name be locked to prevent transfer to a different uh, registrar um, and um, you know something typically that you would ask of your own domain server. Versions of WikiLeaks from uh, Great Britain and other countries are still accessible so of course if you don't know how to do that you know head over to anonymizer.org or look up uh, you know free proxy server and there's always ways of getting into websites. Um, what a website will do is they'll, when you um, download the index or the home page of the website, it'll do a test to see where what your IP address is. And then it'll look up your IP address. If it sees that it's in America, it'll send you to a page that says, sorry, uh, you know, we can't show you this page if you're in America. So you can easily get bypass that by going through another IP address. These so-called anonymizer sites 
that block access to your real IP address and substitute their own. So you're routed through another country or another place. Um, and the other ways of doing it are through free proxy servers. There are these computers all over the world that allow you to um, use them as a third party between you and a um, web server. So it's still the information. Um, Texas Frank tells me that WikiLeaks.org.uk currently works for American domains, or at least his. Uh, they may get around to blocking that eventually, too. Uh, so you may want to look into that. Um, and keep in mind that, you know, knowledge is like water. It'll always seek its own level. So if it's knowable, then it can be known. That's the hacker's credo. And that's what it's all about. So stay on the, uh, you know, on the straight and narrow, my my brother. A frog the size of a bowling ball. <laughs> With heavy armor and teeth, I love this. Uh, I love the to show these uh, these um, these freakish things from uh, uh, you know ar these archaeological freak freakish discoveries to the Christians. You know, uh, a frog the size of a bowling ball. Now just picture this fucking thing, okay? Uh, heavy armor, teeth, uh, lived among dinosaurs millions of years ago. Intimidating enough. That scientists who unearthed its fossils dubbed the beast Beelzebufo, the devil toad. Its size, 10 pounds, 16 inches long, isn't the only curiosity. Researchers discovered the creature's bones in Madagascar, yet it seems to be a close relative of normal-sized frogs who today live half a world away in South America, challenging assumptions about ancient geography. The discovery led by paleontologist David Krause at New York's Stony Brook University, was published today by the Journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. You know, interesting thing about Stony Brook University is that that's where Laura Bernstein went. She was that s slut that I went to uh, the prom with in high school. She was like my high school girlfriend. And we also traveled to um, uh, California uh, after we graduated from high school on this, like, 10-week fiasco of hitching up and down the West Coast together. Anyway, you know, my sister died the other day. She went to the New York Times obituary page website guest book on the web, and she said something. I haven't spoken to her in like 35 years, and there you go. So just wanted to stick that in there. Laura Bernstein's... Uh, went to uh, um, Stony Brook. And when I was very horny, even after we broke up, I would take that drive. It's like three and a half hours out into the middle of nowhere on Long Island, like exit 72 or something. This frog, um, if it had the same habits as its living relatives in South America, was quite voracious. It's even conceivable that it could have taken down some hatchling dinosaurs. You know, they, I'm looking at an artist's rendering of, of this frog. They have him sort of faced off with a normal-looking frog. <laughs> Today, it looks like a Davian Goliath situation. The largest living frog, the Goliath frog of West Africa, can reach seven pounds, but Krause teamed with fossil frog experts from University College London to determine that Beelzebub isn't related to African frogs. It seems to be a relative of South American horned frogs known, of course, scientifically as Ceratophores. 
popular as pets, they sometimes call Pac-Man frogs for their big mouths. Like these modern frogs, Beelzebufo has a wide mouth, powerful jaws, plus teeth. Skull bones were extremely thick with ridges and grooves, characteristics of some types of armor or protective shield. The family raises a paleontological puzzle, standard theory for how the continents drifted apart show what is now Madagascar would have been separated by ocean from South America during Beelzebufo's time, and frogs can't survive in the salt water, so... This guy, Krauss, contends that the giant frog provides evidence for competing theories, that some bridge still connected the land masses that late in time, perhaps via an Antarctica that was much warmer than it was today. So there was a land bridge that some people theorize. Hey, it's 11-11. Everybody get up, get up, get up. Get up and dance. We don't have the right music, but everybody off your ass. Go ahead, get up, jump up. It's 11-11. I'm up. I'm jumping around. Yeah. Okay. Rock out, baby. It's Dancing on the Ones on Jester Radio. All right, that'll do. All right, there you go, you see? Dancing on the ones. We'll be doing that every night at 11 o'clock at 11.11, and we expect you to get up off your fat, lazy asses and dance around. And so all those people that were just now beginning to get used to the head back permission, they're going to they're gonna have some questions. So you're going to need to prepare yourself for that. Hey, don't fuck with that dial. You're tuned into the ravings of a cloud on Jester Radio. Uh, you'll turn to that station.
Nilsson Schmilson on Jester Radio. Turn on your radio, baby. Listen to my song. Wouldn't that be great if you can write like a tune and then call up your girlfriend and say, hey, yeah, I got a couple of things I wanted to say to you, baby. I want to just turn on the radio and pick it up over the radio. What? That's right. I just uh, got something I want to tell you. I let my radio do my talking. R.E.M. started that set with the radio song. You're tuned into the Roovings of Acclaim this Monday, February the 18th, the year of our Lord, 2008, Texas, Frank S. Poe, Louis Lua, in the Just Radio chat room, 646-502-8600. Why not uh, throw your two drachmas into the thick of the fray? Give us a call. Tell us what's on your mind. I know something's pissing you off or bumming you out or... Something I said earlier is offending you, and if it and if it offended you, then I'm not sorry. Whoever's on the cover, fuck his mother. And fuck little homie Jay from around the way, and fuck Violent Jay. Like father, like son, the four-year-old son of crocodile hunter Steve Irwin wasn't all alarmed when he uh, was recently bitten by a baby boa constrictor, according to his mother. He picked one of them up. By the way, has anybody seen this kid? He's four years old, uh, and he's been on TV. If you've seen this kid, man, he's just, he's like freakishly entertaining. He's got a very, very heavy Australian accent, mate, and he's very friendly. Say, and he just seems like um, freakishly uh, old um, and adult. And even like when people around him are like, okay, tone it down a little kid. He's like, it's like he's smiling from ear to ear. It's excruciating. And uh, he's very articulate and very bright. And um, he picked one of them up and it bit him on the finger. He said he was so proud to have uh, copped his first hit, said Terry Irwin's widow today in an appearance at F.A. Schwartz with her two children to promote a new line of toys he said, I hope it wasn't venomous, so I assured him I wouldn't actually let him play with a venomous snake. The couple's nine-year-old daughter, Bindi, who was first bitten by a snake when she was 18 months old, the girl who's featured in the Discovery Kids channel show, Bindi the Jungle Girl posed for cameras with a new action figure of her likeness. It's every little girl's dream to have an exact look-alike doll. It's amazing, said Bindi who was signing action figure dolls of her late father. Steve Irwin, known throughout his Nature TV series as a wrangler of crocodiles and snakes, died in 2006 from a stingray's barbed tail during an underwater documentary shoot. He was 44, uh, and uh, I say crikey. Irwin provided an, an international outcry in 2004 after being filmed holding his then one-month-old son while feeding a snapping crocodile. Might. And that's what they just do for, you know, entertainment over there. They hold the kid in one hand and they hold and they and they throw beef at the crocodile with the other hand. If he just forgets what which one is which for one second, that's it's all over. A Southwest Florida church issued a challenge for its married members hanky panky every day. 
The relevant church head pastor, Paul Worth, issued the 30-day sex challenge to take on high divorce rates. And it's so different for people who attend church, Worth said. Sometimes life gets in our way. Our job gets in the way. The challenge doesn't extend, of course, to the unwed congregants. However, <laughs> he doesn't want them to stay together. He wants them to stay apart. But if you're married, he wants you to go home and force yourself into having sex. And let me tell you, man, knowing the influence that the church has on the congregation, I'll bet you there's going to be, A, a lot of happy guys saying the priest said to do it, and you have to do it. And B, there's going to be a lot of couples giving it the old college try. And let me tell you, the divorce, there will be no divorces (laughs) during that 20 days. Because that's something, if you're getting pussy on a regular basis, you're not looking to stop that. Take it from somebody who used to know. Southwest Florida Church. So it's in Ybor City, in case you want to know. So if you want to attend that church or get your wife down there. Andy Patton has finished a 55 and a half minute of apologies explaining why he used human growth hormone, why he said what he did about Roger Clemens. Derek Jeter walked over. The captain wrapped his arms around the visibly relieved Pettit. Uh, you know, this whole thing has just been such a, a rape on baseball. Um, I, I honestly don't know what to say. If it's against the job, if, it, if, it, if it's against the rules, um, I, I don't see why it should be. But if it is against the rules... Um, then that's it. Everybody's got to take a test. It's a, it's just a job like any other job. They could any job is is allowed to have any kind of requirements. So if the league gets together and says we all you know uh, agree that nobody could take any of these drugs, then just make sure you test them every fucking day for the drugs. And if they fail, they're out. What's this big emotional like? Oh my God, the children and the humanity and everybody's lying and. Why do we need to do this constantly? It's like the same thing about uh, Larry Craig. I know you're gonna, you think that this is a far-fetched, but there's a lot of similarity there. Where the fuck is our humanity? Why are we setting up stings that, that, you know, that cost the taxpayers hundreds of thousands of dollars when all we really need to do is put another um, policeman in the bathroom. If they had put up a plaque or a sign or something that indicated, please, no fucking cornholio sex here, please, uh, and if they position a cop there, what would that cost compared to their fucking million-dollar stakeout operation and their, you know, tackling people to the ground? We just have no fucking decency, no discretion, no humanity. Everything's got to be this big... You see these ridiculous uh, fucking, uh, uh, you know... Joe Th- Thiazen type of takedowns uh, when you watch this uh, Chris, uh, whatever his fucking name is, uh, d- d- you know, catching the To Catch a Predator series. That retard. Chris Hansen doing these fucking, uh, uh, you know, busting these guys. First, they set up these chicks who were like slavering to get fucked, and they, you know, go into these chat rooms baiting these guys like a motherfucker. And then, of course, later they say, oh, well, he would have done it if it was a real 13-year-old. Like, yeah, but unfortunately there are no real 13-year-olds who get onto chat lines and say, who wants to suck my pussy? It just doesn't fucking happen. So 
You know, just like when a guy stops at a traffic light, uh, you know, in in downtown Manhattan, if a woman walks up to him and says, I'll suck your dick for 50 bucks, and he says yes, and then you fucking throw him in jail for that? I mean, who wouldn't fucking turn down a blowjob, man? It's just a, just a normal fucking spur of the moment thing. I know I certainly fucking wouldn't. Let me tell you, I've had a couple of blowjobs in Times Square for fifty bucks. Of course, I had a few more over at the you know Queens side of the of the Fifty um, Ninth Street Bridge. They were a lot cheaper over there, and you got group rates. <laughs> we used to do a group rate over there with those ladies. Hopefully, most of them, ninety nine percent, were ladies. I'm sure, hundred, no, ninety nine point nine nine percent. Hey, you're tuned into the Ravings of the Clown on Jester Radio. It's Monday, February the 18th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Let them do whatever they're going to fucking do. I don't care. Let them, you know, take the steroids. I'm not going to be in baseball anyway. I'm not going to be in any of, any, of, any of these extreme things. You know, they say, well, if they allow it, then it'll just be a contest of how many fucking pills you could take. Or, You know, isn't it anyway? Isn't it just a contest of some limitation, whatever that limitation is? So if you don't want it to be drugs because you don't want your children to take drugs and you don't want you want sports to be family squeaky clean and be good for the kids, then make it a rule that they can't have the drugs. And then if they take the drugs, but you know we got to get like fucking senatorial conferences about it and have people ratting each other out and and congressional fucking hearings and why what 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 are you hollering? As the two thousand year old man would say. What are you hollering? A uh, hunger for carnitas nearly led to some carnage after a Fontana man was robbed of a bag of tacos at gunpoint. Police Sergeant Jeff Decker, you heard me, said the 35-year-old victim had just bought $20 in tacos from a street corner stand on Sunday night and was bicycling home when the suspect confronted him and said, say it with me, give me your tacos. Decker said the suspect grabbed the bag of food, punched the victim in the face. This is just beginning to sound like a story he told his wife while he came home with an empty bag. Did he get hungry on the way? Because we know a guy who back in the day <laughs> would actually punch himself in the face to make this stories like this seem true. Uh, when the victim demanded his tacos back, the suspect pointed what appeared to be a handgun at the man and threatened to kill him before he ran away with his tacos. The uh, stuffing was hot, but not in the roasted turkey sense. Police have arrested a 32-year-old man they accuse of stealing 217 cases of Pepperidge Farm stuffing mix. The stuffing went missing last week from a storage trailer in Medland, Michigan, Deputy Police Chief Robert Lane said area distributors have access to the trailer and that the suspect worked for one of the distributors. Man was arrested over the weekend at his home in Bentley in northern Bay County, according to the Midland Daily News. Lane said prosecutors have been asked to charge the man with embezzlement. 157 cases of stuffing recovered by police is being held as evidence. How much you want to bet 156 cases you know, make it to trial? You know how people loves they stuffing. 
Hey, you're on my mind like a song on the radio. It's uh, February the 18th. Leave it right where it is. You're tuned into the ravings of a clown on JR, coming to you from a secret location outside your universe.
don't know what it was that was painful But sometimes it's there in your face There are times when you just look disdainful Of the human race Ah, but then on the wings of emotion We circle each other in flight Till together we roll like the ocean In its bed at night Cause you and me, baby I saw you there Straight away I knew There's really no hiding I tell you right now What we're gonna do We'll go collecting the days Putting the moments away on the AM radio dial, especially in the middle of it. On the large radios, all of the zeros are there. 700, 800. On small radios, it says six. Connell Red, seven, eight, nine, one, oh, one, 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 four, one, one, six. The big radio is up, up, it's up. But all of them, those stations between 600 and 800, were always widely spaced apart. But always widely spaced, and they had announcers, well-modulated speaking voices. They always had serious subject matter. In fact, they never had music. There's no music between 600 and 900 on the radio. It's all talking, man. The only music you hear is an occasional national advertising jingle. You get down past and you get towards 600. You get down to the hopelessness of 54. And you wonder why it ends there. What kind of good stuff are we missing on 420? Nowhere to go but up. And up, up. It's a watch.
remains mercifully. Yes, and then neither would you, Derek, this star nonsense. Yeah, yeah. No, it isn't. I'm sure of it.
Jesus. Close the fucking door over there, will ya? Holy McCracken. Alright, that'll do, Pig. Hey, you listening to the Ravens of a Clown on Just the Radio? Uh, this is, uh, the jester himself. Coming to you from a secret location outside your universe. And, uh, reminding you that, uh, we, the only way we could do this and stay on the air is through your generous donations. So please head over to www.jesterradio.com and click on the donate button and, uh, you know, Show us how you really feel. Hanging with uh, Texas Frank, Louie, and Espo in the Jest Radio chat room. An extra special thanks go out to them for stopping by and spending a little time with us uh, here at the uh, Jest Radio uh, Ravings of a Cloon show. On uh, Oh, and by the way, uh, Bob, the engineer, has asked me to remind you that the podcast is now live, and you can get to it by simply heading over to jesterradio.com. Keeping in mind there are two R's in that URL along the way. And then uh, when you arrive, just uh, click on where it says podcast and follow the simple to follow instructions. There's even a one-click way to add us to your podcast thing in uh, iTunes, if you have that going. A um, Kawakasham, uh, Wisconsin, that's near Sheboygan, uh, man can face multiple criminal charges after authorities said that uh, he caused two alcohol-related crashes in three minutes. The, cra- <laughs> the crashes occurred the, about 6.30 uh, p.m. Saturday in the town of Leiden, uh, Wisconsin, according to Mark Rupnick of the Sheboygan County Sheriff's Department. The 43-year-old man first ran a stop sign while turning onto a highway and struck a pickup truck, Rupnick said. Three minutes later, he was turning onto another highway when he hit a sport, util- a sport utility vehicle. According to the Sheriff's Department, the time the man was stopped and arrested uh, that time by responding officers, the other two drivers each suffered minor injuries. One was taken to the hospital. The man could face criminal charges for including operating while intoxicated and hit and run. Why don't they just drop the operating while intoxicated? Why does that always have to be? Because it's the follow our rules part of the law. Well, you know, not drinking and driving is one of these preventative laws where uh, the government got so clever that they said, why don't we just take away everybody's liberty and that way we'll have less, you know, death on the highway. And they start sort of picking away at your liberty. How about instead leaving it legal, uh, but you have to be responsible and use your own discretion? And if you don't, then you have to pay and pay dearly. How about just making the punishment, you know, the ultimate sacrifice, guaranteed life in prison? Uh, I bet you that'll discourage a lot of people from, uh, you know, from doing it, even if it doesn't. Um, that's their choice. And don't fucking flout numbers in front of me and say, well, all these innocent people um, have been saved because, 
you know, A, I don't even know if I trust those numbers. How do you even come up with such numbers? How do you know what would have happened, et cetera? But, um, uh, you know, it still doesn't change my mind. I still think we need to live in a world, maybe it would be a more dangerous world or a less safe world, but uh, I still think we need to live in a world where um, personal liberty is uh, Trump's everything. Where the right for the individual to decide for himself, you know, what he wants to do is more important than anything else. Hey, you're on the air with uh, Jester Radio. Who's calling? Hey, it's Mr. Krupnik. Hey, Krupnik. How's it going, uh, old man? Thanks for sticking up for me. I beg your pardon? Thanks for telling people that I'm allowed to drive drunk. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm saying that... Thank you. Hey, I have a joke to tell you. Come on. Did you uh, did you did you catch our uh, dancing on the ones? By the way. Yeah. Why are you changing the name? It's the eleven eleven dance. Uh-huh. No one's gonna know. Everyone's gonna think every one that shows up like the traffic. What? W i n s traffic on the ones. Yeah, but uh, the eleven eleven is a painful thing to say. It's three. It's two three syllable words. Eleven yeah, yeah. eleven. Eleven eleven. Yeah, that's, that's not a problem. the pr- only thing that'll make people understand that it's 1111, not just the last one of the number. Uh-huh. Anyway. So maybe we should rethink the time then to do this because... All right, I'm going to bring it to another radio station. Yeah, you'll be sorry. Go ahead. Uh, now we're off subject. Anyway, Bill Murray says that the Highway Patrol this Labor Day has determined... That there will actually, well, there won't be any accidents this year. So get drunk, drive as much as you want. Because they usually judge about 20, 35 accidents per Labor Day. That's very funny. That's the way it goes. That's here's, f- here's the trivia question for tonight. All right, let's go. And if you don't finish it tonight, you can finish it when we'll, you we'll come hold, up with them. Hold it over. There are eight single... Word title movies that Woody Allen uh, wrote and directed. Okay. Or maybe not even wrote and directed, but Woody Allen movies. And one of them is not Ants. Go. Well, when you say it's not Ants, but it's a Woody Allen movie, but it's not wrote and directed, then which one is it? Let's get those rules down straight. Because Ants is a Woody Allen movie. All right. Make it nine. Uh, okay, so there are nine one-word Woody Allen movies. Um, Except you can't count the one documentary that didn't even show up in Netflix. Okay, not counting any <laughs> any documentaries. Um, and so we need all eight of them. Uh, and yet Zellig well, somehow works. All right, so we need only seven more now at this <laughs> point. So uh, send it into trivia at jesterradio.com. Be the first one to get the correct answer. All seven of them, and uh, all nine of them, including Ants and Zelig, and uh, something very special will happen. Thanks very much for uh, calling that in um, there, Mr. Krupke, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. There's nine movies, one-word movies, so we know it's not Annie Hall. 
One steer's unique hide may save it from someone's dinner table. The animal is named Michigan, and for a good reason. The brown spot on its side resembles the state's mitten shape. And, by the way, I'm looking at a picture of this cat. cat. <laughs> and there's a, he's got a fucking map of the state of Michigan on his fucking side. When I tell you, man, it is, looks just like it. The pattern on the other side is shaped like a U. It's one of the 30 cattle on Jacob and Georgia Kessel's family-run farm in Spalding Township, about 80 miles west of Detroit. Cattle from the farm are eventually sold for Biff, but the owners are willing to sell this deer for promotional or mascot use instead of shipping it to the slaughterhouse. Man, what a break, huh? This is like, you know, how like models are born. They just sort of win the genetic lottery. Same thing with the cow. He could have gone on to become a bratwurst, but instead he could be, you know, representing the great state of Michigan up and down on all the cattle marches. Spending time behind bars in New York City might turn out to be good for your health. The overhauled menu at the city's jail includes no sweets, no butter, and only skim milk. Can you imagine in the tombs in New York City and Rikers Island, this is what they're serving? These guys must go ape shit. The Department of Corrections wants healthy alternatives in to traditional jailhouse grub. A breakfast might include fresh fruit, whole wheat bread, and wheat flakes, a simple dinner, pepper steak, rice and steamed carrots. These people are in our custody and they don't wanna and they don't get to make their own choices, according to Department of Correction Commissioner Martin Horn. We have a moral obligation to make sound choices for them. That means unsweetened muffins, which are expected to replace the widely, uh, the wickedly sweet ones for the roughly 14,000 inmates in the jail system. We have no choice but to eat what they give us. It's bland, so I guess that means it's healthy, said Christopher Abarici, a 40-year-old inmate. The healthier menu costs the city just as much as the previous one, which had included white bread and sweetened drinks. Horn said, adding that it may cost the city less in the long run. The cost of an inmate having a stroke or going into diabetic shock is far greater than keeping people healthy to the extent that we can, Horn said. Amen. And why not everybody serve healthy food to everybody else? You know what the Jeff has been doing lately is that raw thing. Has anybody been doing that raw thing? Raise your hand. Uh, because the, the, I understand the, the passing of the gas is astronomical. But uh, these are people that don't believe you should ever eat anything that was exposed to heat like above 130 degrees because that kills all the bacteria. And killing all the bacteria in your food is the exact opposite of what you want to do. You want to eat all the food with the bacteria in it. That's what makes it good for you, according to these people. And let me tell you, there's a lot of makes sense because we've only been using fire for the past 10,000 years. So for the quarter of a million years before that, we were using, we were eating, you know, everything raw. There was no cooked food. So we didn't eat a lot of meat. And, uh, we, you know, and uh, all the vegetables and everything we ate were raw. They weren't cooked. So that is probably what our bodies are optimized for, have evolved toward. So it's a good theory. I don't know. Uh, you know, the truth is, you know, the, the, all of these things are very highly um, 
generalized because on on an individual basis, we still have no idea how to predict anything on an individual basis. Um, because some people will smoke until they're 90 years old and they'll never get lung cancer. And some people will get lung cancer in their 30s from smoking. Why? What's the, what, what, what's the individual? You know, they always say, do this, do that. In the aggregate, it lowers your chances for, but it doesn't really lower your chances. It lowers the population's chances. The, you know, as for how you can personally, what's best for you, um, they just want you to do everything. Don't eat meat, don't smoke, don't do anything. But the truth is, for you, it may not be all that. There's an amazing guy named Dr. Aubrey Gray, um, a very close friend of mine uh, going back many years, and he's become famous just out of the blue lately, and I'm very um, delighted to see him showing up on TV. He just showed up on um, the Jon Stewart show the other day, and he was great. He was really amazing. Anyway, he believes, he, he wrote a book recently about uh, reversing the aging process. He believes that aging is a disease and that it can be cured. And he sees uh, no reason that humans should be able to live, you know, in a, in a state of moderate, you know, youth and like, you know, middle age uh, and healthy for an almost indefinite period of time. Um, there are other ways of dying besides getting old, so it wouldn't make you immune from being run over by a bus, but certainly living hundreds of years, he believes, is possible. He's very credible about it, and he's written uh, this um, very famous book that's been taken seriously, and now he's showing up on all the news shows. He's a really very, very uh, amazing, uh, intelligent guy, and um, I used to visit with him. He's lived in London. I used to see him a couple of times a year, and we'd go out. And, uh, you know, in England, uh, there's just this massive quantity of drinking. The whole culture is based around alcohol. And he has this beard that goes down to, like, his knees. He looks like one of those guys from the cough drops. And uh, very smart, very funny. And so who knows? Maybe, you know... Um, there's a genetic flaw uh, that uh, promotes aging and it could be fixed and none of these issues will matter. Maybe, you know, you could eat as much crap as you want and smoke anything you want and, you know, just abuse your body as long as you want and you can live, you know, who knows, maybe for hundreds or thousands of years. Wouldn't that be great? I'm not so much um, into that because... That's still limited. Whatever the limit will be, I remember at the, my brother's funeral, the rabbi said, you know, someone said life is like a walk around the block. Uh, no matter how nice it was and pleasant it was, relaxing and enjoyable it was, when it's over, it still feels like it was not enough. So I'm sure that if we were to live for hundreds or thousands of years, we might even feel that way then too because it's all relative. What I'm looking forward to or would have been, if I were alive at the time, would have been the ability to transfer your thoughts and your brainwave thoughts, memories, patterns, the thing that makes you you, your persona information, into a computer so that you can live indefinitely in a hologram-generated environment that only took place on the insides of the computer. And as long as power, emergency power, were replied, 
you could just live a, you know, a, a strife-free existence for eternity. You know, knowing perhaps that, you know, the world you live in isn't real, but nevertheless, having, having awareness and enjoying it. How cool would that be? Think about it. Uh, you've been listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jest Radio this Monday, February the 18th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Extra, extra special thanks go out to all those that uh, stopped by the Jest Radio chat room and then phoned in. Uh, don't forget, wherever you are tomorrow, when it's 11-11, uh, stop everything you're doing and dance until it's 11-12. We will meet in that place where darkness never comes. Until that time, Houston, good night. I heard you on my wireless back in 52 Lying awake in tents and tuning in on you If I was young it didn't stop you coming through oh, oh. They took the credit for your second symphony Rewritten by machine on new technology And now I understand the supernova scene
in the still of the night lying in the darkness I listen to my heart 